0: Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk with Jordan Therese. I'm your host, Jordan Therese, and today I am joined with Asia Grammar. Asia is a singer, songwriter, former tour backup vocalist, a former talent producer for Songland. I literally just learned that. I've known Asia for years and I didn't know that one part. Um, also a co-host of AMPS radio show, Moms and Music, along with Christina Perry and an ambassador for the LA's Rock and Roll Camp for Girls.
1: Hi, Asia. How are you? Hey, I'm so good. I'm happy to be here with you, love.
0: <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Just a little background. Asia is one of my mentors. Um, we got connected through She Is The Music. And yeah, we've known each other for a few
1: years now. Mm-hmm. Just uh, in the background cheering you on always.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Let's just get right into it because you have such an amazing story within the industry. So. Did you always know you wanted to be part of the music industry? And like what kind of impact did music have on your childhood?
1: I uh, am one of those people that came out and it was very clear what I wanted to do always and told my mom at like 10 years old that I needed an agent and we needed to (laughs) get serious and take some photos. I was like that kid. Um, (laughs) And I grew up here in LA, so I think... We were lucky that we were around a lot of opportunity, and you know, I really grew up in them in the music and entertainment business here um mm-hmm. so that is kind of always was gonna be my trajectory. I also come from a family that really encouraged the arts um because in my family, there's no like we really want you to be a doctor that that wasn't a thing in my family. everyone has a music degree, and it's very encouraged to do music in my family. So that's kind of what I grew up in. So I I, uh, owe a lot of credit to my family who sort of paved the way for me.
0: Yeah, I love that. So did you go? This is actually something I don't know about you personally. But did you go to college like to study music? Or was it like, independently like studying it? And yeah,
1: I went to Uh, College of the Canyons in Valencia, which is a junior college, because I was convinced that um, as soon as I was out of high school and available, all the record companies were just going to swoop me up and I wasn't even going to have time to go to college. So I told my parents, why don't you just let me, they said, if you're, if you don't go to school, you're on your own. So I was like, all right, let me, let me get myself. I'll go to junior college because I don't really see myself like uh, digging in super academically, but I understand the need for school right now. So I went Mm -hmm. to junior college as a vocal performance major and uh, that was great for me. I really loved it. I did a lot of musicals and I did a lot of touring during that time as well. So I would go to class and then I'd go on a tour wherever with different artists and touring with my own stuff. And then I got my associate's degree there and transferred to Cal State Northridge for jazz studies and I went there for a little while and then inevitably left because I was ready to I was ready to go. <laughs> so what was like the first thing in the industry like
0: that kind of pulled you to leave college?
1: Well, so I think that have you ever read the book The Artist's Way?
0: I, okay, transparently, I didn't finish it, but yes. Okay,
1: that's okay. I will tell you that I've read it and picked it up and started it and stopped it about 100 times.
0: Okay, but girl. actually,
1: this weekend, read the whole thing in its entirety in wow. like a weekend. And one of the things that um, the author, Julia Cameron, mentions in it is something called shadow artists, which is when you really want to do some type of art and – it's scary and you have a lot of resistance and fear against it. So you do something kind of adjacent because it sort of lets you do the thing, but really it's because you, you're you not stepping fully into the thing that you want to do. And mm-hmm. so when I was at um, Cal State Northridge, I was also interning at Warner Brother Records. And I thought like, okay, I'm going to learn how record labels work. I'm going to learn how people package and you know, get their projects together. I'm I'm also playing shows this whole time at night. So really I just wanted to be the artist and the songwriter. Mm. But I thought, okay, well it's like a jade, it's like kind of what I want. And I was working in AR. So I'm literally scouting for um, you know, really good acts and artists. And yeah. Stuff. And I'm going to college and the person that I was working for decided to leave. And so she was going to give me her job. Wow. So I I was suddenly offered like a real job in A&R at Warner Records. I talked to my teachers at CSUN and they were like, that's a good job. I don't know. You should probably take it. And I took it, dropped out of school. My parents were like, you're going to be on your own financially. And I was like, peace, I'm taking it. <laughs> and then a month later, they laid everyone off. Oh my gosh. So I had dipped for nothing, <laughs> basically. But I decided to double down and I just, I was like, I'm already, I'm, I've already shifted my whole life and I think I'm going to just go now. I think I'm just going to mm-hmm. roll with it. I'm going to get a day job. I'm going to play shows. I'm going to write. I'm going to really go after the music thing. And that's, that's what I did. That's, and here we are.
0: Wow. Oh my gosh. The part, cause I don't know if I knew that about you about like the Warner Records story. Cause being in a music business program myself, like, and we have to do like a bunch of different internships to graduate. Yeah. Like I'll be like applying to these companies and they're always like, okay, don't tell them you're an artist. I'm like, yeah, they are going to find out say. eventually. Like just look on my social media and you'll see it. Like I can't hide that part of me.
1: Who wants to write, who wants to work at a record label? It's people that are interested in music.
0: Yeah. One professor said to me, or like not to me particularly, like to our class of music business people, like the majority of the people who work at labels and like are in the music business, like love music and would love to be an artist, but just like couldn't do it, like either failed out at it or like just didn't have the chops to like keep up with that like degree of what it means to be an artist, which is just or they like- they couldn't face it. Yeah.
1: Yes. And be honest with themselves. And that's what they want. Yes. I would say like most of them are that. Yeah. I think also the reason people get involved in music, in art of any sort is because they have really good taste. Right. Mm -hmm. So like you have really good taste. And what's really hard is when you decide to go at some type of art. For example, music, right? Mm -hmm. I want to create music. You have really good taste. This is, I didn't invent this. I can't remember where I heard it, but I stole it from someone else. You have really good taste Mm -hmm. and your skill level for creating stuff is not at the level of what your good taste is. Yeah. So you're miserable for a while because you're creating art and you know that it's not the level at which you think is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But your but your taste is good. And not everyone has good taste. And it takes a while of like doing the thing and doing the thing and doing the thing where your your skill level and what you can create gets to the level that matches your taste. Yeah. And that's mastery, right? So you just have to hang in there in that uncomfortable state when you're you're like, I know what's good. And I'm I know that I could be what's good and I'm yeah. working on getting there. Yeah. Right. And I think a lot of people give up before they get to the place.
0: Yeah, and like, yeah, that's that part is so real because I was talking to um, a collaborator of mine that like I'd been working with for like three years. And like when we met, like I was starting college and she was ending college. And it was just like, obviously we feel like we're so far from (laughs) where we want to be in our careers and our dreams. But like we can... Feel the progression and like the songs that we were writing together three years ago are trash compared to like what we write (laughs) now. Like honestly, you know? Uh, So yeah, definitely like the whole like hanging on there part is like so true in any industry, but especially this industry. One more question like regarding like this Warner situation. Do you like in hindsight, do you have any regrets like taking that position?
1: I don't think I have regrets because I believe that everything leads you to the place you're supposed to go. Real. So I don't, I don't believe that there were any missteps, but I do think that while I was there, I was not self honoring. I was not living my truth because I was hiding because, because it was a conflict of interest to be like the one finding the talent and the one, and you'll see a pattern of this, right? Because. I again I believe that I am good at recognizing in others right like I I love I I love to work with other people and see their gifts and help them f- like hone their gifts but I just can't do it at the expense of mine you can mm. be you can do that and do your own thing but you can't do one or the other you know what I mean so I have to be really diligent with how I do that now so that I'm not getting lost in that does that make yeah. sense which is a which is why i only did songland for one season uh oh like i was like yeah i was like i can help do this for a little period of time and yeah i know a lot of great writers and i know a lot of great songs and i like this is a cool fun thing for for mm-hmm. like a short period of time and then i gotta get back to my yeah my yeah stuff over here
0: yeah yeah what makes you you like the thing that you know is your calling yeah always coming back to that okay i I love that that part okay that was also needed because (laughs) second semester senior yeah talking about these applications oh gosh yeah um so a little earlier you mentioned touring like while you're in college you were touring for yourself and you were touring with other artists can we dive into that a little bit what like what was it like touring for yourself? What artists were you touring for? Like, How'd you get
1: into that? Well, as a up and coming artist, <laughs> your touring budget is very small. So right. when I was touring on my project, it was like, I brought one musician with me. I'm running the merch booth. I'm collecting the money from the venue. I, I was like, all wearing all the hats. I had mm-hmm. management book the tour and put it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, what I did was I sent an email to everyone I knew that was an artist that was a little bit above me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So, people that I knew or had a relationship with, or that I didn't know very well, but were just like a couple steps ahead.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I said, Who's touring? Like, what's going on? What we got going for the summer? And I said, I'm looking for an opening slot. And I knew that I didn't have the numbers to pull across the country, but if mm-hmm. I got with someone who did, and I was an opening slot, maybe I could buy on, or I could be like, I'll front the this, and you do the that, or like uh-huh. maybe we could figure it out. So that is pretty much what I did, and I and I went on tour, and it was like a, a sprinter van tour, and we went through Canada and the U.S. and it was it was like real roughing it but it was great and it gave me a lot of experience and it it humbled me and it it humbled me and it was really great to be performing every night in front of lots of people and mm-hmm. um so i i've toured that way and i've also toured a bit with my husband who is also an, a singer and an artist so i'll go on tour with him um, his name is andy grammer and i'll you know we'll just like have a fun time and do that for a minute and then i've also toured with um i've toured with selena gomez as her backup queen. singer she is a queen indeed. love her <laughs> um, so i did that for a season and um i've toured with colby Calais. i've done some shows with rachel Platten. Wow, Gavin DeGraw. Who else? I opened for Pink. Oh my god! Not on like a, not when she was like peak Pink, like this year. Still in the Still. Past. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've I've played a lot of shows, and um, I think so. Obviously, like when I was touring with Selena, that was out of not in a Sprinter van, right? Mm-hmm. That was like we're playing Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. and it's a situ, it's a situation right? But um, I think that that was also very necessary because it got me comfortable. There was like some good manifesting going on, right? Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. like on stage at Madison Square Garden and I was like, I am here. I'm not quite here in the way I want to be here, but I am here and Mm -hmm. no one can take it away from me. And I did it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm really grateful to her for that because I got to do a lot of like checking off the life box list stuff with her. But I think I was a little more fulfilled doing a sprinter van of my own music.
0: Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. That yes, valid. A thousand percent valid. (laughs) (laughs) What are some things that you wish you knew prior to, and this can be touring like yourself or touring like with other artists, like what are some things that you wish you could have told yourself before starting that huge endeavor?
1: It's not as glamorous as it looks. And sometimes touring looks really good from the outside because it looks like you're in these different places and you're playing these venues. So it's like a little bit of an ego hit, Mm -hmm. but it can be a distraction from doing the actual work, which is like if you're trying to be a writer and an artist, like you need to go write those songs and Uh make those, make that art. And it's fun to play staple center, but like, that's not getting you closer to your own songs. Yeah. Right. Not that it has to be staple center, right? Like, yeah, you may feel more fulfilled playing like a dive bar of your own music in the Pacific Northwest. than you will playing this huge venue with someone else doing their thing. It's not to say that, uh, that any of it's bad. It's just you got to get clear on what you want what you really want to do and i think sometimes touring from the outside can look really glamorous but it's a lot of like lugging your fucking suitcase around and like running to airports and you know not sleeping and rehearsing yeah. all day i remember we did a saturday night live and i had like a crazy ear infection because oh, no. we had been rehearsing for long hours uh-huh. and i and i wasn't Um, giving my ear a rest from the in-ear monitor. Oh, no. So it was like a lot of hours a day that I was wearing my in-ear monitor. Yeah. And uh, I got an ear infection. And so like I peak life, I'm on Saturday Night Live, right? Like I'm like (laughs) waving at the end. Pete Davidson is standing next to me. I'm like, oh, my God. And then I like went straight to the ER because I was like couldn't hear out of this ear. (laughs) (laughs) So – It's, like, not what it looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That's so real. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what was, like, your routine? Like, you talk about, like, it's not glamorous. Like, you know, lugging all of your stuff from, like, airport, van, all of that stuff. Like, was there any, sort like, sense of, like, routine? Or, like, what was the day-to-day, like, as someone touring?
1: Well, touring is not – there's not a lot of long chunks of time for anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like you may have 30 minutes free here or one hour there, but there's not like ever a long chunk of time where you could really go get some stuff done. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a lot of like hurry up and wait, Mm -hmm. right? You wake up in a hotel or wherever – and you have lobby call, which means the bus is leaving at this time. So you got to be in the lobby by this time or you're being left. And -hmm. then you got to get on the bus and then get to wherever the next city is. A lot of times the bus drives at night. Mm -hmm. So you're waking up in a new city. You go to bed in like Michigan and you wake up in Wisconsin. And then you're like, where am I going to eat now? I've just woken up on a bus in a Different place than I went to bed, and now I'm hungry, (laughs) and I got (laughs) to figure out like where's breakfast, and I got to do some laundry, and like oh, I wanted to get some Advil, so I got to like figure out where's the CVS. It's a lot of that, honestly. Uh Uh Um, And then sound check is usually middle of the day, right? Uh So you you're anchored by that appointment in the middle of the day, and then the show at night. So it's like it's all just these little pockets of time.
0: Wow. That's crazy. I can't wait until I, I tour. Like, that's, I'm going to be coming
1: back to you for some more advice. You're going to be on way better tours.
0: <laughs> so you did mention though, that touring kind of like takes away from like the other important stuff that you have to do as an artist and just a songwriter. So like, can you kind of talk about like, when you got into songwriting, and like when you kind of like slowed down on the tours and like got more in the studio and stuff like that,
1: yeah, I think I did that Selena tour, and I decided that that was gonna be it for me for a little while. I wanted to come home and really hunker down on the writing. Mm-hmm. And um, I made the decision to take some time back in l a and get focused and i think if i could go back and give myself a piece of advice it like life advice it would be a lot of times people are performing songs i'm i'm talking about myself performing songs that they wrote and so they think like oh i'm going to go play a show when really mm-hmm. if you wrote a lot more songs you would not think those earlier songs were the best to perform mm-hmm. so rather than i've written 5 songs let me go play a show with those five songs. Like, write 50 songs. And those first five songs, you'll be like, those don't even make the list. Like those <laughs> are not even the my best work, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's fun to perform. It's fun to play shows. Mm-hmm. And it's good to like feel that hit of adrenaline and be and and you can also see what people resonate with, like which songs they do and don't like. Mm-hmm. But I wish that I would have spent more time writing better songs rather mm-hmm. than playing a lot of songs that were just okay. Mm-hmm. And so after that Selena um, tour, I came back and was like, I am going to write a bajillion songs right now.
0: Mm-hmm. And I did
1: a lot, a lot of co-writing and I think co-writing is so amazing and crucial to an artist's development um, because you get to see how other people do things and what their process is. and. Mm-hmm take little tricks from them and they'll, you, they'll steal tricks from you and that's how we all get better and grow. Um, mm-hmm. Also, it gives you a good idea of like how fast and how slow and am I just liking an idea because it's the first one I had or am I liking an idea because we've like combed through and we feel like that's the best one. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to get a gauge of that when you're just in a room by yourself. So I think yeah, uh, if, I, if I could go back in time, I would say co-write more and write more songs in general.
0: I love that. So like let's dive into this co-writing aspect because yes. I think that's so important. Like I completely agree with like you learn so much from co-writing. Like it's it's honestly it's mind-blowing because these people are coming with their years of experience mm-hmm. and obviously it's not going to look exactly like yours. So together it's just it's something like wonderful, but when, like, how do you find collaborators? Like, how do you reach out? Like, how do you know if you had a successful session with them?
1: Well, I think that everyone has Instagram and TikTok at their fingertips right now. So on a weekly basis, I am DMing so many people. I have no shame. I do not care I don't care if you don't respond to me because I've hit so many good people up. I'm looking constantly at who's and I think this this is this comes from like the A and R stuff, right? So mm-hmm. which is why I can't say I regret that because it helped hone my taste, and I feel like it's helped me find good artists or see when someone's like, "Oh, this person has like a lot of the things right, but they're just missing this one thing, and maybe we could write a song together and I could help them find that thing. Like I, I, I really like to see people and see where they could go and then mm-hmm. try to like connect those dots. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly DMing people that I want to work with, whether it's on my artist project or on their artist project, because mm-hmm. I, I love writing with other people for their projects too. And I'm always asking around. I'm, I'm not just looking at someone's numbers like on TikTok or Instagram, I'm genuinely like, do I vibe with this? And if somebody has really good numbers but I don't like the music, then I don't care. I don't like mess with that because ultimately, like we're just here to make stuff that we are into, right? And that we like Mm -hmm. and that makes us feel good. So I just try to hit up those people. And I think that being proactive about asking people to co-write is a big part of it and Mm -hmm. not getting shut down. I also have like a little blurb that I've put together. So when someone is like, yeah, I'm down, send me some stuff so I could hear, like, if I like you, I have that ready to go. It's like a little tiny little bio. It says I'm born and raised in LA. I'm, I'm, my emphasis is on top line and chord structure, but I can also vocal produce. I can cut and comp your vocals and tune them. Uh, -hmm. and then it also says Recent cuts. So if you have any, which is okay if you don't, but like it says who I have songs out with. And then it it also says people I've collaborated with. Because sometimes mm-hmm. you may have collaborated with some dope people, but they didn't put the song out, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's okay too. So it says who I've collaborated with. And um that's some artists, some co-writers, some songwriters, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I and then a little link with songs mm-hmm. so they can. Check it out. Mm-hmm. So I, I have that ready to go, so that if somebody's like, "Yeah, send me some stuff." There's not like a two week delay. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Like totally. Let me get that together, <laughs> and then like writes a bunch of songs. Right, and stuff. right, right. <laughs> it's, I'm I'm I have it all ready to go, so that when you ask me now, I'm always swapping songs out. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, "Oh, I bet I, that song's not good anymore. Let me put this one in," and you know things change, right? Mm-hmm. But But it's good to start with something that you can be like, these are my strengths. I'm graduating from Syracuse with a degree in music business. Jordan Torres is an independent artist. Soul R&B with pop tone. You know what I mean? Like, just make it sound tasty. Uh And and I think that goes a long way. Because nobody really knows what's going to be the next thing. Everybody just does what they vibe with. Yeah. No,
0: that's yeah that's such a great point. Just yeah, I love that. so how I feel like this is something that like I really struggled with when I was first starting to do co writing sessions like how do you get like b- like vulnerable with these like people that you might be writing with for the first time and like because obviously songwriting is so intimate. Yes. So how do you kind of get yourself to that place with someone who might be a complete stranger? And that's like oh, your first time yeah. talking to them.
1: Most of the time they are a stranger. <laughs> Whenever people ask me what I do for a living, I always say like, I just go on blind dates every single day and make music.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's that. Occasionally that's people get a
1: second or third date, you know, but it's a lot of <laughs> blind dates. But um. Well, I think there's two parts to this. One part is being prepared so that you don't put too much pressure on yourself to have to, like, perform on the moment. Mm-hmm. What that looks like to me is I come into the session with a notes about concepts that we could write about. Like, I, I usually come in with, like, three to five ideas. Oh, I had this idea. What if we wrote a song about this? And, mm-hmm. um, and then, and or a musical version of that, like mm-hmm. chord progression, like, Oh, I heard this song and I think it's really pretty. And I wrote this progression that I think could be cool. And I, and I come, mm-hmm. so I come in with at least something so that I'm not putting so much pressure on myself to have to like be brilliant mm-hmm. in the moment. Um, And if I'm writing for someone else's project, I'll ask them like, what's going on? Like, what's up in, y- in your life? Like, Tell me everything mm. because i I find that the better songs come from real situations I don't really like to write from like a figment of someone's imagination of a f- fictitious shitty boyfriend who like <laughs> I, I don't want to do that like, yeah what, we, there's too much real stuff happening right let's right. write real stuff that really right. because then we're gonna connect to it and we're gonna have more to say because it's real to us so mm. Um, I try to do that. And then I think like the main thing is just listening, listening to the other person and making sure that you're not shutting them down. Mm-hmm. So when someone says an idea, you go like, oh, that's cool. And blah, 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 blah. Yes. Um, you know, like in improv, they say yes and yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yes and to someone. You go, yes. And we could blah, 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 blah. Because if uh-huh. you go like, mm, I don't really like that. Mm, uh, if you do that too many times, the person shuts down because they feel like they're not being heard. And then yeah. they don't want to feel vulnerable. So, I mean, I've been that person too where I'm like, the person is just knowing, vetoing everything I'm saying. right? And I don't right. want to, it's not a safe space. So yeah. I, I try to make sure that I'm give, creating a safe space for them. And that I'm, like, offering ideas that are, Mm -hmm. you know, my best ideas. And all you can really do is just show up. You know what I mean? Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's there for the picking and sometimes it's not. And that's okay. And all I'm supposed to do is show up.
0: Yeah. You mentioned the bit about, like, I guess, like, critique or criticism within sessions and, like, the way to handle that. Yeah. But when you're – so this is something that like I struggle with, like, especially when I first started writing, um, just like judging my own work so oh, harshly. yes, yes. <laughs> How do you, you know, how do you continue like wanting to push yourself and be better and foster more creative growth without be- being too harsh on yourself and striking down
1: your own confidence? When you figure this one out, let me know, okay? <laughs> but I'll tell you what I do. These are, this is my tactics. First of all, I think that anyone who's trying to be an artist is, that's the most bravest shit you can do. Yeah. That is the most vulnerable, scary, brave, authentic thing you can do. And so, first, let's start by going like, you decided not to be a paralegal. Good for you. You know what I mean? Because you could just go get a job doing whatever, and that's not what you're doing. Um, And and that's no shade to anyone that wants to be a paralegal, but like if you have the desire within you to create something, you got to listen to that. So I think the whole job is fighting the little angry voice that's like, "That's not very good," Mm -hmm. you know. And so I listen to a lot of podcasts about building yourself up. I'm always reading a book about creativity. I have no shame. There is some affirmation podcasts that I have saved Ooh. that I play when I'm on the way to a session that are like I am it. I am the thing. <laughs> if somebody doesn't recognize the thing in me, that they are not for me. I am the thing. And mm-hmm. I and I really have to like get myself in that zone before I go because I you're that. fighting you're fighting the dragon, you know what I mean? You're fighting yeah. the things that tell you that you're not good enough or that you're not Worthy or all that BS. And then there's a couple books that I uh, read over and over again. One is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. I'll finish it and I'll let yes, you know. Yes, you finish it. that. And the other one is um, The War of Art by Steven Pressfield,
0: Okay. which is
1: a two-hour audio. So Ooh. I don't have I want to hear anyone tell me that they don't have time for two hours. <laughs> that is like one sh- – crappy commute in LA real and yeah, a lot of what he says is like fighting your creative fear monster is like slaying a dragon. Mm -hmm. It's that hard. You, you, you get up and you're fighting a dragon with this sword and you're like, no, I am going to make it. I am going to make some cool shit. I am going to do this. Like, I know that this is part of my calling and my purpose and why I'm Mm -hmm. here. And this is part of my design. And I'm, And you fight that dragon and you win and you slay that dragon and you write a song and you get to the end of the day and you're like, I wrote a good song today. And then you go to sleep and then the next day the dragon's alive again. (laughs) (laughs) And that is the game. So you have to just do whatever you got to do to get yourself in the mindset. And if there's people around you that are not um, filling your cup and shining your light, then you like, you you lovingly say like thank you, and I'm going this way. Yeah, because there's no space for that. Yeah, you
0: know? no, that's such a great piece of advice of just having the people around who make you feel like in mm-hmm. because my mindset is everything and like yes. So I, some famous smart person said that you're like the sum of the five people that you spend the most time around and like. Getting, you know, going through college and, like, about to graduate, like, that's something that I so deeply understand. Like, you just need people who inspire you to be the best version of yourself and who support you, like, Mm -hmm. wholeheartedly and, like, are just there for you.
1: Yes, and who see you. Yes. Who see you, like, 10 steps ahead, you know? Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you... So, on the flip side of, like, the people who you have around, like, I know in this industry, I have never felt more imposter syndrome in my life. Mm -hmm. In the past couple of years of like starting out in this industry. How do you deal with that?
1: Well, I think imposter syndrome is really looking outward instead of inward. Mm -hmm. Right? So whenever I feel like I'm an imposter, or I don't deserve to be here, what am I doing? Or any of those like, ugly Self-talk things. Mm-hmm. I always try to go back into what I know. What do I know about myself? Mm. What do I know that is immovable? I know that like a 10-year-old girl asked their mom for an agent and like to find management because they were like, I gotta put an album out. Right. Like that is that is a knowing that I yeah. had as a child, right? Yeah. So yeah. So something about that is me following my design and mm-hmm. whether or not somebody gets it is like not up to me. I'm just here to make what is true to me and find the people along the way that get it and like want to come along for the ride. So I always try to go back to what do I know for sure about myself mm-hmm. and and what do I, and I don't know if you're spiritual or like what you got going in the God world, but yes. I I am a very Um, spiritual person. And I believe that, you know, God wants me to win in the way that I want to win because why wouldn't my creator want that for me? Whatever you call it, the universe, like whatever, that greater being wants me to win because it wants everyone to win. Mm -hmm. And so I try to remember that that. And um, someone gave me this like mantra recently that really resonated with me because I know like the imposter syndrome usually comes when you're looking at other people doing the thing that you want to do, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I've really tried to shift my mindset so that jealousy is like not a part of my vernacular. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And and now when I see someone doing the thing that I want to do, I go like, oh, this is showing me that that's what I want. I'm this I'm mm. seeing this person so that I can see it can be done.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: I, they're here. They're a sign. Yeah. Look, it can be done. Yeah. And I remember that like what God does for others, he does for me.
0: Yeah. I love the point that you made about if you see someone else doing it, like that means that it's possible for yourself too. Right. Like that's, that's a recent mindset shift that I made in the last, like I'd say six months or something. And that has been so instrumental. I feel like just for my growth as a creative and my growth as just a person and for my own like mental (laughs) well-being. It's yeah. information,
1: right? Yeah. It's yeah. information from your deepest self going like, I desire that. And if they can do it, then it's being shown to me so that I can see that it can happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. No. I Not love so that. that you can f- stew on it and hate yourself. The, right. What's the point of that? It doesn't <laughs> do anything.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So another question, how do you obviously like, you do so many things. Like you have your radio show, singer, songwriter, you're a mother. Like how do you balance all of those things and still keep your like mental well being in check? Girl, I don't know. Therapy. <laughs> Real. Yes.
1: <laughs> you know, I just try to every day prioritize what is the most important for that day. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a daily, um, checking in what's most important. Yesterday I had a session, a songwriting session and my child got the, got a fever and I was like, Oh, should I cancel everything and just lay with her in bed? But I, but I like kind of need to do this session. And my mom was like, go, I have the day off. Like go, I'll lay in bed with her. That sounds great. Like I want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like feeling really guilty, like, oh, I don't know. Is it supposed to be me? Like, am I supposed to like be there? And -hmm. then I just decided, you know what? She's going to be sleeping most of the time. And I'm going to let my mom take this one. And tomorrow, which is today, I don't have as full of a day. So I'll just like, I can be with her if she's still sick tomorrow. Uh And she's not going to like remember that I neglected her this one day, you know, (laughs) 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 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that she had a sick day. So I that's kind of what I do. And then today I just like stayed home more and was a little bit more of mama bear um, mm-hmm. and worked from home. So, you know, you just try to like check in and I'm a big believer in motherhood and career. I think yeah. that you can do it all. And I don't, anyone that says you can't can kiss my butt because I'm doing it. And I know a lot of women who are doing it. And that's just all there is to it.
0: And I love that. I love that so, so, so much. So in the last couple of minutes we have left, we have this little segment called Raw and Real. So I'm going to ask okay. you like a couple of questions and then just like whatever is like off the top of your head, like okay. whatever you're thinking, just be real with me right now. So what is your dream session? like? And this can be artists, you want to work with producers, writers.
1: I... Would love to do an album with Mark Ronson.
0: That's a good one.
1: I want to write an album with Mark Ronson.
0: I, I love that. we will
1: write an album with Mark Ronson.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Mindset. Yes. Yep. <laughs> okay. Question number two. What is your favorite memory touring with Selena Gomez?
1: I am uh, 11 years sober. I don't drink alcohol. And uh, at the end of... Before I went to ER for my ear infection, we finished Saturday Night Live and um, some people were doing like a toast. She was like toasting everyone to say like, thank you. And that was so exciting and yay. Yeah. And I don't drink. And she remembered that I don't drink. And she poured me a Gatorade in a champagne glass so that I could like be part of the toast. Yeah. And that was my favorite memory with her because I thought it was really considerate and she wanted me to feel included and that was special to me.
0: Yeah, oh my gosh, that that's like so sweet. I, I love mean. that. Um, okay, what's your favorite song that you've ever written?
1: Ooh, that is <laughs> a good question. Okay, my favorite song that I've ever written, but not because it's like the most popular one or anything is my husband and I, because we both are songwriters, yeah. when we got married, we wrote each other a song as our vows.
0: That is so cute. And we had
1: our full band there, and it was a, sh- it was a show, and we each performed with a full band our song to each other. And so the, my favorite song that I ever wrote is that song because it was like a special day. Yeah. And my song was called I'm Leaving With Your Last Name. And it was about how like I came in to take that shit. Yes. And I'm I'm walking out of here with your last name.
0: (laughs) I love that. Oh my gosh. That is so cute. I love that. Okay. Our final question. What is the lasting impact that you want to have on the music industry?
1: Oof. My lasting impact that I want to have on the music industry is that I uplifted The voices of women, writers, producers, songwriters, musicians, publishers, label heads, and that I told stories that championed women.
0: I love that. Oh, that is such a great thing to end this on, Asia. Thank you again so, 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 so much for taking time to sit down with me. It's always a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate you.
1: you. Thank you for inviting (laughs) me. And I'm I'm just like- always in awe of your spirit and your drive and i'm just like go go jordan go go (laughs) thank you so much bye bye